You are listening to the Mom and Dad Podcast. A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mom and Dad Podcast. I like that. I feel like that was good. We're getting, we're making progress. (laughs) On our intro. I'll like start it and then you finish my sentence. Yeah, that's cool. It shows that we're we're in sync with each other. Yeah, like we're we're like in a relationship. Yeah, and not one of us dominates the relationship more so that one yeah. of us has to be, you know, the one that says it. Yeah, just like very equal playing field for this intro. Yeah, I like it. So Welcome to the Mom and Dad podcast. Ooh, it's got a nice nice touch. It works. Finally, we're only <laughs> like 20 episodes in before we figure out how to do an intro. <laughs> So, this is, oh, I'm so, I absolutely loved this one. I feel incredibly uplifted right now Mm -hmm. after finishing talking with David. Just to kind of intro who we're talking with. So, David Apostolon is a a friend of mine going back several years, and he's, he's gone through some very unique health trials in his life, and I've never had a conversation with him that I didn't leave wanting to be a better person um, because where you know where he very justifiably could have taken the the many trials that he's faced and become bitter or focused on the how how things are unfair he's, he's just turned it around completely and he's all about gratitude and finding deeper meaning and reflection and serving others and it's it's just so uh, I feel like he he did such a good job putting into a succinct, easy to follow list of lessons that he's learned from, mm-hmm. from, from this. So yeah, really, really excited for you to hear it. And, and to, I, I know everyone will take a lot from it. And, and something probably the, you know, we don't want to give away too much, but one of the things that I really love about this interview is that at one point we ask him what his goals are, you know, moving forward as his health improves. And the, I don't want to give away too much of his answer, but I feel like we live in a, in a, in a day where there's a lot of privilege. A lot of people have a lot, you know, some people don't, many people don't, but we're all concerned about this materialistic culture of getting ahead and having the best thing and trying to put on an image of my life is going great and look at all the things that I'm doing, you know, on, on social media and all of these things. So I feel like he boiled down the the goals that that are are so important in just such a great way. And so, yeah, this is great for anyone who feels like they're not where they want to be in their career or for someone who feels like they haven't achieved all that they want to achieve. So it's not just for people who want to be, you know, spiritually uplifted. I think it's for people who maybe are caught up in the rat race. And just want a different perspective on life. Yeah. It's changing your perspective can absolutely change your life. And I think this episode, it really comes back to ground zero. Like this episode just brings you back down to earth and just reminds you of what really is important. Cause all of this, and like we do say in the episode, like things are important, like making money, supporting your family, those things are important. But when you come down to it, if those things weren't there, like what is important, you know, like there has to be, there has to be something. So yeah, we don't want to give away too much of the episode, but it's such a good one. So we are really excited for you guys to listen and let's get into it. If you could just give us a little bit of a background on who you are and kind of where you're from and, and what, what the illness was that you originally got and kind of how it's, how it started or how it started and how it affected you. Yeah. My name is David Apostolon. I'm 34 years old and I'm from Portland, Oregon. Been here all my life. And the illness that I have is not diagnosed. The doctors have never been able to diagnose this. I don't want to tell anybody that I have any specific condition, but they think that it has something to do with the nervous system. I have symptoms of something called complex regional pain syndrome. It's all over my whole body and fibromyalgia, but it doesn't really fit either diagnosis. It started about 12 years ago when I got mono in January 2009. Before then, I was healthy and could work. And 
after I got mono, I started having pain all over my whole body. A lot of pain in my back. It's hard to sleep. I would get nice sweats. A lot of pain in my left arm. And that continued to get worse until the tendon and the elbow started to swell up and get soft and kind of almost like overflowed its boundaries. I don't know how to describe that, but it was covering my bone and it was very painful. And the doctors thought I had radial tunnel syndrome. They thought that was strange because I was really young to have that at the time. And I was in a straight cast for about nine months, but it wasn't really healing very well. And I started having problems with my right arm and I couldn't use that one very much either. And then my back, then my GI system started having a lot of problems and had trouble eating just about anything. And I started to starve. Once I went a week, I didn't eat almost anything except like a glass of milk and a handful of berries. Wow. And um, then, yeah, then my, my legs started hurting really badly and um, the tendons and the ankles and knees started degenerating. And so in about a year and a half, a bit longer after I got sick, I was mostly in a wheelchair and bedridden in a lot of pain and kind of went from there. So you would have been uh, 22 then at this point when it started? Yeah, 2004, so. 2009, you said? Yeah, 2009, sorry. Mm. Yeah, I was 22. I turned 23 later that year. Wow. So when you, I can't even imagine, you know, living 22 years of your life and then just having something like this kind of kind of hit you. What was your, I guess, your first reaction when these things started to happen? Was it panic? Was it, what? what kind of went through your head? Well, when I first got sick, I just, I didn't even know I had mono. I didn't have health insurance at the time, so I didn't get tested. It became pretty clear I had that. And I didn't think much of it, and I just thought I would get better. I started to recover from the disease, but then I just felt fatigued all the time. I tried to go back to exercising like I used to. It didn't work out so well because I was just incredibly exhausted. I just started hurting all over, and my left arm started hurting when I would try to work out. And it was just painful. And I guess I didn't really give it much thought, actually. I just figured I wasn't feeling well and I needed to rest more. So I would limit my activities. And then I seemed to be sort of okay. But then I would start hurting more, even with my limited activities. After about, by the summer, I started realizing something was wrong because all my joints were hurting and the tendons seemed to be degenerating. And my left arm, when it like really... I say it like blew out. Um, when I went to the doctor, it was really incredibly painful. I was um, wondering like, what was going on? And one of my friends was like, you're falling apart. I was like, I know. And I didn't know what was going on though. So it was just kind of confusing. But I think there was a point when I just, I felt like it was going to get better at some point, but it didn't and it just kept getting worse. And then by the time when I couldn't use both my arms, I had to start asking my mom to brush my own teeth. And I was stuck in bed in a lot of pain. At first, I think I was angry because I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And so there was this like sense of boredom, just being stuck in my bed in pain all day. I think I felt like things were unfair. Like, you know, how come I'm experiencing this? I didn't believe in God at the time. Um, So I don't know. I just felt angry, not necessarily at someone blaming someone, but I was just in a lot of pain and I just upset that I couldn't do what I wanted to do and upset at my body that it wasn't healing. And then as things got worse and worse, I just became uh, very depressed and in despair. And as things got worse, it just got to the point and didn't really want to be alive anymore because I just felt like my existence was one of pain and misery. And I didn't really see the point in in being alive. So it sounds like it was something that was pretty gradual from when you got sick to your body kind of shutting down? Yeah, sort of. I mean, it was in the grand scheme of things, it was pretty rapid. Um, okay. But it's it was gradual enough that day by day, I didn't think much about it until after a lot of time had passed and I was realizing like this is getting worse and it's not getting better mm-hmm. and nothing I'm doing is making it better. Was it something that was caused from the mono or was, is it something that doctors don't really understand? They don't, they don't understand. Um, I went to the doctors a lot. I didn't start going until I, my left arm like went out and the tendon like swelled up and they diagnosed it with as radial tunnel syndrome, which is like carpal tunnel syndrome, but it's a different nerve in the arm. And I thought that was really weird. And they're, they're 
talking about doing surgery. Um, but then when it wasn't healing and it went to my left arm and my back, that's when I really started suspecting something was was really wrong, like systemically wrong. And it wasn't just like an injury. And But they don't know what caused all of it or what's wrong. Um, for a long time, we thought I may have had an autoimmune disorder like lupus because I have an uncle who has lupus and we have a lot of similar symptoms, but they did a lot of testing for many years and I didn't have any of the blood work that indicated that I had lupus Mm. or any autoimmune disorders at all. I went to doctors for many, many years testing a lot, which was really frustrating because you want there to be an answer. This is why this is happening. Yeah. And then you want there to be an easy medication, an easy way to fix it. But that wasn't the case with me. Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like that would be, I guess, the pain and not being able to, you know, do the things you wanted to do would be one aspect of the the trial. But then the other part that I just seems like it would be maddening to me is not knowing what it was and never getting the answers. That seems like it would be just as much of a trial. Yep. Yeah. At first it was like that. It came to a point when I stopped worrying about it and I just accepted that I had some problem and it no longer bothered me that I didn't know what it was but I was kind of just at peace with the fact that I had some sort of degenerating disability and I was okay with that and there was a point when I didn't think the doctors could help me and I stopped going to them and that wasn't good and my mom helped encourage me to start going back to doctors and after I converted I felt kind of uh, prompted by the spirit that I need to keep going to the doctors. I shouldn't like just give up. But I think at one point I just kind of became at peace with it. And it didn't matter to me if I knew what was wrong or not. Cause you, at least I just come to learn to live with the pain and the restricted activities. I just want to know the mental process of accepting that and like becoming just like okay with the fact or like accepting the fact that you have this disability like how did you get from point a to point b of like in despair to accepting it i think there was two kinds of acceptance and one was negative and one was positive like i said i used to not believe in god so when i considered myself an atheist i came to a point when i think i accepted it but it was more of a sense of despair and apathy like I have this problem, it's going to kill me. And that just happens. You know, people die. Some people die young, some people die old. You know, we don't really get to control a lot of that. And so I just accepted my fate that I was, uh, had a degenerative disorder and I was doomed to die soon. And I basically kind of like stopped caring about life. Um, after I converted and came to know Christ lives, there was, it was different. I felt hope about the future but it didn't matter to me anymore whether I died or not or got better. My focus became choosing good over evil and following the Lord. And since I came to know for a surety that there was a God and that Christ lived and that there was life after this, it didn't matter to me anymore whether I was living up to like, social standards or like whether I had a job or was married or whether I was physically able or strong anymore, could work or had an education. Um, I think those things are good if you can achieve them, but I basically realized that some of those things might be limits to me right now. And so I'm going to work on the things that I can work on. And so my focus kind of shifted away from myself and it focused started focusing more on God and other people. And I think at that point, it didn't bother me so much anymore that I was in pain or that I couldn't do certain things. So I just focused on what I could do. And I started giving up things that I used to do and they didn't matter to me anymore. I think like it gets to a point when, as far as like activities are concerned, we do a lot of things in life that we think maybe are a part of who we are, um, hobbies or interests, activities or games that we play. Um, but then when you can't do any of that anymore, you get to know who you really are because you're left with just yourself. And 
there became a point after so many years of lying in bed that I didn't feel bored anymore. And I didn't feel like I needed these things anymore. And I started focusing more on like, who am I really as a person? And now I know as a child of God, like who am I on the inside? And I started working on improving that so that I could be happy in any situation. Wow. That is, that's amazing to hear. It's, it's incredible. Something so challenging can just give you this new perspective of just what's really important. I remember watching this TV show. I think it was about some Vietnam veterans that had been captured as prisoners of war and had been held in prison and tortured and a bad experience for them. But after they got out, um, a lot of them said that even though it was a terrible experience, that they wouldn't give up that experience because of how it helped them change. And I felt like that even though it was years of a lot of pain, and there was a lot of spiritually dark moments, I wouldn't trade the experience that I've had for anything because it has shaped who I am. And I used to still tell people it was the best thing that ever happened to me, specifically because like it humbled me and helped me come to the Lord. And without that, I don't think I would have been humble enough to change my life. So I'm, I'm curious about sort of the, the timeline of all of this. So if you could maybe just, just give a, some context on like from despair to apathetic atheistic acceptance to sort of how you, you found your spirituality and came to, you know, came to the church to, you know, so like the, his the age, acceptance. yeah, I guess just like how long all of that, that took, cause I know you said it happened fairly quickly, but was it, you know, within months or, or how, how long did it take you to reach each of those milestones? Um, so let's see here. I get mono in January, 2009, end of July, 2009, my left arm goes out. I can't use my left arm anymore. December, 2009, my back starts hurting really badly. And there was a time when I had to stand for three days. Oh my gosh. February, 2010, more or less. It's hard for me to remember exactly. But yeah, that's okay. Then, like, my right arm went out and then I couldn't use either of my arms. And that's when I was like, oh, I, I need to ask my mom to brush my teeth because I can't do that anymore. That was really humbling. But at, actually something interesting happened at that stage because even though things became really painful, I started to ha having to ask people to help me. And so I started becoming more grateful because I would ask my parents or someone to help me and they would do it for me. And I was like, wow, this person just did something for me that I can't do. And if I didn't have this done for me, it would be really uncomfortable. Like I wouldn't be able to have anything to eat. Um, so I started becoming more grateful and I think that helped me change my attitude. But then that summer, remember about June is when I started having problem with my GI system and I more serious problems started not being able to eat a lot of food. Then some other things that were going on in my life. So my sister got married at that time. And then right after that, my parents started getting a divorce. So then my mom and I moved out of the house into this apartment. And that was August, September, 2010. And by then, August, September, 2010, I was in a wheelchair and pretty bitter and angry and went to the doctors a lot, couldn't figure it out. I started becoming more depressed and in despair because the doctors couldn't figure it out. And I would say summer 2011 was probably the lowest point. That's when there was just a lot of despair. Didn't really feel like I had any purpose in being alive. Basically, I just wanted to die at that point. And I thought about taking my own life many, many times and really actually wanted to do it and had the means to do it. But something interesting happened in that apartment is being really disabled. Uh, my mom was taking care of me, kind of like I was a baby almost, not completely, but something about her loving service to me really started shifting my perspective. I saw that my mom loved me and just by what she would do for me. And I remember there was one point, one of the chores I hated doing when I was younger was the dishes. And I remember my mom doing all my dishes for me. And I was thinking like, you know, this isn't right. I should be doing the dishes. Like I'm, I'm a grown man. And I remember just having this like burning desire. Like I wish I could do the dishes 
just so my mom doesn't have to. And, but my mom was just uh, really helpful and loving and she tried to do everything she could to make me more comfortable. She would take me on drives and make food for me, um, take care of me. And I remember at, at one time I was watching this movie on TV and Morgan Freeman in it. And he was like warning this kid about going down the path of drugs, crime, and death. And as I had a lot of time thinking, I would philosophize a lot. And something that I had been thinking about was like this opposites in all things. And so I thought about this concept of darkness and death and despair. And I felt like my life had been dominated by darkness, death, and despair. But I thought that there must be an opposite to that. And so I named it Light, Life, and Love. And I started examining my life and I realized that most of my life I had been choosing darkness, death, and despair, and it was hurting me and making people around me miserable. Um, but the few moments in my memory that I could see when I chose light, life and love, I saw that it made me happy and it helped other people. And so there was some point during that, that summer, I think of 2011, when even though things were really bad, I made this decision that I wanted to choose light, life, and love no matter what. And that was a turning point for me because it changed like what mattered to me and what I wanted. But even though I made that decision, it didn't stop my physical and I would say spiritual decline. I felt still like more despair and more pain and more misery. And, but I think I also started reviewing my life and regretting a lot of the things I had done. Um, but it changed in, you know, the exact date is August 7th, 2011. My mom was on a trip. So I was alone in the apartment and my brother would stop by to like make me food and take care of me, but he wasn't staying there. So I was mostly alone. And on this day, um, at some point I passed by my mom's room in the wheelchair and I saw this portrait of the savior Jesus Christ on the wall. And when I looked at it, I felt this really powerful feeling of peace and love pierce deep inside of me. And at first I initially like discounted it and ignored it. And I was sitting at the table and I was actually like getting to the point when I like really wanted to uh, commit suicide and I didn't want to be alive anymore. As I was thinking that I had this thought pop into my mind and the thought was that suicide is not light, life, and love. Suicide is darkness, death, and despair. And when I thought about that, I thought about my mother and how much she loved me. And I realized that if I killed myself, it would hurt my mom. And I didn't want to hurt my mom anymore. And I basically decided I was tired of being evil. And I was tired of hurting people. And so I basically just made this decision that I was going to choose to be alive even if it meant that I was going to die a slow, painful, miserable death and degenerate into nothing. So I started going back to my room in a wheelchair and I look in my mom's room again and I see the picture of the Savior and I feel that really powerful feeling of peace and love. And it just like pierces deep inside of me and I had this I remembered that I had been taught as a child that God loved me. And then I had this thought that I should pray. And so then I had this hope that if there really was a God and he really did love me, like I had been taught, I hoped that he would help me. And so I prayed and asked for help and he immediately answered my prayer and I had one of the most powerful sacred spiritual experiences of my life. And through that experience, I came to know that there really was a God and Jesus Christ really lives and that I'm a child of God and that we're all children of God and that he loves all of us. And something really happened in that experience that the Lord taught me that I needed to love people. And because love was a concept that I didn't really feel like really existed before then. I was pretty hardened, but I received like a personal commandment. I needed to focus on love for people and as I did that, it really changed how I thought about things. And from that moment on, like everything changed because I, I knew there was a God. I wasn't 
miserable anymore. I remember my physical condition didn't change immediately. I was still in a lot of pain. I still couldn't sleep very well. I still couldn't eat food almost. I was very thin. I'm about six feet tall and I was weighing about 115 pounds. Physically, everything was still bad, but I was still incredibly, like in that, during that time, I was incredibly happy. I'd never been so happy in my life. And even though my body was still in pain, it's like it didn't bother me anymore. And I didn't feel afraid anymore. And I didn't feel impatient or angry anymore. And I lost my desire to do any bad thing. I remember sitting outside and seeing this ant crawl along the ground. And I felt like I didn't even want to step on the ant accidentally. Like I was just filled with this overwhelming desire to never do a single bad thing. And um, I started praying all the time, all day, every day. And I just had this, felt like I had this close relationship with God. Like I could just talk to him like he was my friend. And I would feel through the Holy Spirit him answering frequently and started reading the Bible. And then after a little while, I um, felt like I should read the Book of Mormon again. Um, I hadn't really looked at it since I stopped going to church a long time ago. And so I asked my mom to get me a copy. And as I started reading it, even though I had a lot of doubts and fears, I trusted God and prayed about it. And as I was reading, I realized that it was powerfully teaching me a lot of the same principles that I had experienced when I first prayed. And so I guess one thing led to another. And after a while, I started going back to church and reading the scriptures more frequently. And so that was 2011, August, 2011. My health like slowly started getting better after that. Um, started being able to eat a little bit more food. My legs and arms started getting a little bit better. Um, September, 2012, my brother gets married. We start going back to church, December, 2012, 2013 fall. My health feels mostly better can't eat anything and I don't have like full strength in my arms, but start going back to school. Um, and then spring 2014, near the end of the school year, my arms started hurting again. And that was really frustrating. And then it just kind of like went into decline again. And my arms uh, lost most of their strength and were in pain a lot again. And then let's see here, 2018, it all really started getting bad again and went back in the wheelchair and has recently started getting better again. That wasn't too much. No, that was no. great. That's good. It's good to have a good timeline of where you were and like how everything progressed. And I'm, I'm just fascinated with, I keep thinking about the relationship that you must have with your mom now compared to the relationship you would have had if you would have never gone through this. Maybe you can describe how, how is your guys' relationship having, you know, sort of gone through this together. And I know other members of your family have, have been there, but obviously your mom has kind of been that stalwart. What are your feelings towards your mom, you know, after all of this or through all this? Oh, I love my mom. I kind of think of her as, um, she's almost like a metaphor for Jesus Christ in my life because she, uh, I mean, besides the fact that she birthed me and, and took care of me my whole life. But since being disabled, it's sort of like I've had to rely on her for everything. Um, financial assistance, food, um, most of my brushing my teeth and like doing my laundry and, and clothes, a lot, a lot of that basic stuff. And um, I also feel like because of her strong testimony and faith in God and her love for me, it helped me come to Jesus Christ and... Um, she was very, how do I put this? She was very um, non-judgmental. Uh, I was not really living a good life before I converted and got sick. And I kind of had started to like hate my parents, didn't really like them. And I tried not to spend time with them. And I was you know, like looking back on it, I was really growing distant to my parents and didn't particularly like being around them. Um, but after I got sick and my mom was taking care of me, I started talking a lot more and you know, I could tell her anything. And, and I knew that my, she would 
maybe keep my confidence. Is that right? I could confide in her. That's it. That was really important to me. And just like seeing her take care of me. And so it went from me, like not really liking my mom, not talking to her much little affection to after I converted, my mom could tell something happened to me. And I told her what happened. And that was a big answer to her prayers. And we just developed this really strong relationship. And I give my mom hugs a lot more and tell her that I loved her and enjoyed spending time with her and kind of think like a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but at least I had this attitude, like once you start getting in high school, late high school, college, you don't want to be like associated with your parents and you don't want to be living with your parents. But after, after I had this experience and converted and felt a lot of love for my mom and from her, I didn't really care about that anymore. I was I was happy to be living with my mom. I mean, I hope someday that I'm fully well and that I can live on my own, but you know, it just didn't bother me. And I was, she, I'm like one of my best friends. So yeah, I, I, that's one of the great blessings of this trial is I have a much better relationship with my mom and I really love her a lot and happy to be around her. And I've seen what a wonderful person she is. So we've talked a lot about your faith. You find a lot of strength in your faith. You find a lot of strength in the people around you. Is there anything, any other sources that you find strength, or maybe you could even touch on how you find strength through your faith and through your family? That's a really good question. I feel like, um, yeah, the foundation is Jesus Christ, because I think without that, nothing really was permanently motivating to me. And because when I came to Christ, he totally changed the way I thought and felt about myself and other people and reality. And my motivation changed from being basically selfishness to, uh, I would say, love. Like I, I did things more and more because I thought that they would be good for other people and because I felt like God had commanded it. And so my faith in God gave me a lot of motivation um, to do things. And I would oftentimes rely upon God through prayer to give me the strength to do things that I felt were too hard. But beyond that, I think, I think everything is related to that. But like I said, one of the motivators for me not initially taking my life was love for my mom. And since then, a lot of times I focus on love for people and that will give me the motivation to do things, especially since my brother got married, um, him and my sister-in-law have had a, a child, my niece, Abby. And I remember going through this experience. I thought a lot about um, experiences in my life. And one of the things I realized is that my uncles were like a good influence on me. And I looked up to them as a kid, my dad's brothers and and so I realized that I was Abby's uncle and that she may have that view towards me. And so oftentimes I would think about my niece and that, and I wanted to be the best uncle I could possibly be because I knew that I would have a influence on her and I wanted to be a positive influence on my niece, just like my uncles were. So there's been times since like my health getting worse again, when I've when it's been really tempting to feel despair um, because of the problems. But oftentimes I would think about my family or other people in general, but a lot of times I would think about my niece and, and it would give me hope to keep going. That's just shows how you've changed from looking inward to looking outward and using this trial as something that can influence other people for good, which is amazing. I wanted to know, I guess if you could list like the, the greatest lessons that you've learned from this experience, maybe just, if you could just share those with us. The greatest lessons. I know we're kind of putting you on the spot, but. That's <laughs> no, okay. I feel like I've learned a lot of lessons Probably the most important was to be humble, to recognize that God's will is greater than my own. 
and that I should be base my life on the principle that I should seek out his will in all things. And that is really, really hard sometimes because sometimes we really latch on to things that we want to do or that are important to us. And God asks us to take a different path. And But I found that doing what he wants is always the best. And so not only being humble, but then learning what God's will really is. Um, another valuable lesson I learned um, that has been really developing more and more in me recently since my health got worse and is now getting better is this concept of diligence, um, consistently doing what needs to be done no matter how you feel. Uh, before I converted, I would say I would do things if I felt like it. Um, but then if I was feeling bad, I wouldn't do things, even if I knew I needed to do them. And so going along with this concept of humility, knowing that God's will is greater than yours. If you get to the point where you know that you should be doing something, but you don't feel like doing it, it can be really challenging. And so over the past several years, since I've come back to church, this concept of like when I'm feeling down, uh, don't feel like doing things that I need to um, muster the strength uh, usually I ask God for help and and do what needs to be done. Like in my calling, like there's been times when I had to teach in Sunday school elders quorum, but you know, like I didn't feel good emotionally or whatever. Um, in the past, that would have been something like, well, I just don't feel like it right now. And, but, or like diligently reading scriptures every day or basically consistently doing the things that need to be done. That's been a really hard lesson. Uh, but really important. A third one, I would say, I think there was a quote from Elder Hales, but I don't remember exactly if it was from him, but he said that when you can't always do what you've always done, then you only do what matters most. Um, and that became really important to me because being disabled, um, I couldn't do what I'd always done. And but my body wasn't like totally paralyzed. So I could do some things, but the things that I did do would cause pain and degeneration. And so I basically had to prioritize everything in my life. I have to say, do I really want to do this? Because if I do this now, it's going to hurt me. And if I do this, then I won't be able to do other things without causing like really severe damage. So I can only do a little bit each day. And then with that, in mind, you have to choose like what is most important to me and to do that. And that was required a lot of discipline. It's so crazy how life works that way, how the things that are the best for you seem to be the hardest things to do, which I don't know why it has to work that way, but <laughs> it just does. And I, you're just such a good example of, like you said, it does take discipline to do those things that are good for you, but in the long run and even in short term, like they're just going to be so much more beneficial than just not doing them. So that's, you're just such a great example of that. And I know in my own life, that is something that I don't know if you are someone who's stubborn, but like I am a very stubborn person. So making the choices to do what's best can be really hard at times. And maybe everyone relates with that, but I really appreciate you, you saying all of that. And Thank you. Yeah. I feel like it's something God has taught me and um, you're definitely right. That was like another important lesson is that happiness takes effort. That sometimes we think, we'll be happy if we don't have to work and if we don't have to exert ourselves in one thing or another, but really the best things do require some level of effort and, and being okay to exert the effort to do the things that are good. Once you kind of train yourself to do that, life becomes very happy. Or just switching your perspective, just knowing that happiness takes effort because you don't think that way 
really like I haven't even thought of it that way to know that happiness takes effort. Like I'm going to write that down. That is like a profound quote right there. Yeah. And I think something that I've, I've always loved about talking with you is that you you've done so much reflection and I think it, it would be easy for someone to go through a lot of these things and not retain the lessons the way that you have and to be able to, to express them the way that you're able to do it and con- concisely and, and in an easy to understand way. And I think that that comes from the fact that you are, are very good at reflecting on not only the things that happen, but also the reasons behind them and, and, and trying to find the deeper meaning in it. And so that's, I, that's why I was really excited to interview you. I'm just really, really grateful that you came on. All right. So I guess if you were talking to sw- someone who was in the midst of a sore trial or someone who was struggling with despair, what, what would be your advice to them? Well, I think first and foremost, I would encourage them to turn to God. I feel like suffering has this effect in our lives. It is a trial because you... It's really hard and painful, and you can let that suffering turn you away from God, from the source of all happiness, or towards Him. And if you turn away from Him, you'll be miserable. And if you turn towards Him, you can be happy. But turning towards Him takes effort, like we were talking about. So I think finding reasons to have hope is really important. This is a really hard concept to explain. But over the years, I've come to realize that God has taught me that trials are actually blessings and not something to be feared or avoided. And that's hard because they're painful and they're difficult and we don't want to go through that. But life is full of suffering. Everybody has to suffer one way or another. Um, The idea that someone can go through life without suffering is just not true. We just have different ways of experiencing it because of we are and what happens to us and what we choose. But through God, that suffering can become a blessing as we turn to him. And so I think the most important thing to encourage people to do is to turn to him and to stay faithful to what they do know is true from God. And that's the best place to start. And I think one of the principal parts of that is prayer and having hope, Um, like putting forth the mental effort to have hope. But Uh, God is a wonderful being in that he loves us and he's willing to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. So if we turn to God in our trials and our pain, he's mindful of that. And that's one of the whole purposes of the Savior's atonement is that he feels what we feel and he can strengthen us and succor us in that pain. And so what's amazing is that when I or anybody turn to Christ in their pain, He doesn't necessarily take the pain away, though he can, and sometimes does, sometimes immediately, sometimes over a long time. But what he can do is not just strengthen us, but teach us. And so then if we're humble, that pain will lead us to make certain choices that strengthen our soul, uh, our spirit, and that becomes like an eternal blessing because it changes who you are in a fundamental way. Or rather, it really develops your true nature and identity. And so, like I said, that this trial has been the best thing that ever happened to me because going through it and then having to humble myself and turn to God, letting God teach me and then trying to do what he teaches me, I feel like my life now is better in every single way than it was before. And I could list all these things the way it is better, but I feel like, and I know that I'm happier in every way and I feel better in every way. And I feel like I'm developing my gifts and talents and just becoming my true self. I love that. And I, I, man, I, this is so timely. I just earlier this week, I saw on Facebook, someone posted no real help comes from preachers or religion or you know, like studying scripture. He basically was saying like, people have real problems. So don't push, don't try and talk to me about God um, or 
don't rely on a preacher to, to tell you something that's really going to help you with your actual problems. And I just love your answer. That's like, you have gone through some things that by any standards are extremely difficult. And the first advice that you give someone is to, is to turn to God um, because you've seen real help come from it. It's not just, you know, if, if you don't go through trial, sometimes it's hard to understand why we need God um, because we're sin sick instead of, you know, physically sick, but to, to see it play out in, in your life, I think is just so powerful. Yeah, so yeah. Thanks for that answer. I can, having been an atheist, I can understand that viewpoint that that person expressed and we shouldn't, shouldn't be down on them because it's hard without an understanding of who God is and a belief in him. It's hard to see the need for it because we have, I guess we're spiritual and temporal beings. We're spiritual and physical beings. And when we have physical problems, we want physical solutions and sometimes we can get them, but it's important to understand that true happiness and true misery are not physical or carnal as the scriptures say, but they're spiritual. And what's amazing about a faith in Jesus Christ and his gospel is Jesus Christ provides a way for us to be happy no matter what. Sometimes we just like, if we're in pain or we're having hard times, life's not going the way we want it to do. We want that to go away and we want it to be fixed so that we can be happy that's not necessarily what real happiness is. So Jesus Christ provides us a way to be happy no matter what, and no one can take that away from you. Like your house can be destroyed, you can lose your health, people can steal your money, you can lose your relationships, but you can't, if your rock is Jesus Christ and you are striving to follow him and progressing along his path, no one can take that away from you. You can choose to give it up by turning away from him, but he's offering you eternal blessings that are here and now and in the eternities. And that can't be, no one can steal that from you. So with everything that has happened in your, in your life, you're looking to the future now with all of this hope and faith in Christ. What life goals do you have? for the future. I know I'll get better someday. My health will improve. I have some goals of like being able to go back to school and finishing my college degree. But other than that, you know, like I hope to be married someday. I think I probably have some basic temporal goals like most people, like education, marriage, uh, a job. But ultimately, like I really don't think a lot about those my goals are really centered on the Savior that I had when I first prayed. Um, totally changed my life. And it wasn't a one-time thing. It created a continuous relationship with God. And so now my hope and goal is to stay humble and to continue to turn to God. And I hope that I can change anything about myself that he wants me to change and that I can over time do anything that he asked me to do. And sometimes that's a little bit easier than other times. And sometimes it's really difficult, but I'm learning that it is a process of change and it takes time. So my goals are really centered in Christ and just being able to continue to apply the things that he teaches me and become the person he wants me to become. I love that answer. I think we can be so wrapped up in just like life goals and career goals and money goals. And really in the scheme of things, those they're just so unimportant. Like, of course they're important. Like we have to survive and, you know, support our families and that kind of stuff. But like in the grand scheme of things. And like you were saying, if those things were to be taken away, like where do you find happiness? You know, like if those goals were stripped from you and just weren't possible, like where do you go from there? You just gave us great ideas of where we can go if we, or it, we don't even need to be in that situation of like having all those things taken away from us. Like we can find that 
wherever we are. I think that's um, something I'm realizing too, that we don't have to be humbled by having uh, terrible things happen to turn to God. Yeah. So like the Book of Mormon has often repeated promise that if you keep my commandments, you'll prosper in the land. We talk about like, if you keep the commandments, God will bless you. Well, if you, if your life, you know, if you're have everything that you think you need in life, uh, you're married, you have a good education, you have a good job, um, you have health, you can still stay humble and keep the commandments. And if you do, God will bless you and God will teach you to use those things to do even greater good than if you didn't have those things. Mm -hmm. So the gospel is really for everybody and shouldn't um, just wait till something bad happens to, to turn to him. And I think we can trust that even if things are going great in our life, turning to him is still the right thing. And we will be able to use what we have to do even greater good and have greater happiness. Right. I love it. So last, last question before we, we wrap up, do you have any last advice, anything that, that's come to mind for people who may be going through trials or challenges that you'd like to share before we finish? I just say, don't give up. Yeah. Like if you have, if you have hope, it makes things, makes things bearable. Um, being in despair is not a good place to be. So just don't give up. I think people around you will, will thank you for that someday. Yeah, I mean, because you were, what, three years in before you were able to cast off the despair? About two and a half years. Two and a half years. Close to three, but yeah, two and a half. About. Yeah, you didn't give up. <laughs> Look where you are. Yeah, things are better now. Well, I'm so, so happy that you were able to jump on with us and talk with us. I know people are going to be uplifted from this conversation. I feel extremely uplifted and I think people are going to really enjoy, enjoy hearing your story. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Every time I talk with you, I'm, I'm uplifted. So I, we can't thank you enough for, for coming on. And yeah, I know everyone that hears this will, will also be really, really grateful that they listened. Thank you for inviting and having me on. It's a pleasure to see you guys again. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found a ton of value from David and his story. And we're so grateful that we were able to talk with him today. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>